Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Hey, meet Gary Miracle, the guy with an awesome name. Mm-hmm. He's a Jesus follower who calls himself an advocate, fighter, and motivational speaker. When he's not kicking back with his family in Central Florida, you'll catch him sharing his jaw-dropping story at churches, conferences, and conventions. What's he up to? Well, he's all about telling the world how he found the life God had planned for him, even when life threw him the curveballs of personal tragedy and trauma. And guess what? He's just dropped the book, No More Bad Days. Woohoo! Hey, good morning, Gary. Good morning. How are y'all? I'm doing great. How are you? I guess I'm I just great. asked you that, and you're great. So we took care I'm of that. Good. <laughs> yeah, thanks, for, okay. thanks for chatting. Yeah, congratulations on your new book. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Pinching yourself a little bit still? Yeah, it's a little surreal uh, yeah. to, to have your life story on paper for the world to read. is uh, It makes you feel very vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to go there this morning. So <laughs> Lord, give you, Lord give you grace to cover it. Yeah, so 2019... Really, your life changed pretty radically in 2019. What happened? Yeah, so I, I was 39 years old. Uh, up until that point, I'd say I was living kind of the all-American life. You know, I, I had, a, I had a, an incredible work-from-home job. My, my wife at the time was a stay-at-home mom. I had three biological boys. I, I have a beautiful adopted daughter from Columbia, South America. Like everything was like moving right along. And, and then we say like, right, like, but God. Mm. <laughs> so in, in 2019, it was actually the day after Christmas, December 26, 2019, I started getting sick. And uh, it was so much so that, you know, it was being December 26, the last week of the year, you know, my primary physician, they weren't holding regular hours. So sure. I ended up taking myself to the emergency room. And, and through a series of events, uh, uh, it led me to New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2019. I ended up going back to the emergency room for my fourth time in a matter of those five days. And, and when I went on this fourth time, uh, just from feeling sick and, and, and having the flu, um, I went on this fourth time. They actually admitted me this time. And, and when they admitted me, they, they looked at my family who was there with me and and they said, you need to call the rest of your family and, and all of Gary's friends to come in and say goodbye to him. Um, they didn't think I was going to make it through the night on, on New Year's Eve. Uh, so much so that they, they actually gave me a 1.7% chance to live Oh my gosh! Through, uh, on New Year's Eve. So um, they didn't really know what to do. And uh, they, they admitted me to the hospital. And then I was, I was, I was life flighted from, from one hospital to, to another hospital in Orlando, Florida. And uh, I was I was rushed into their ICU unit and and at 7:18 a.m. on January 1st, 2020, I was laying on a hospital bed in the ICU unit in Orlando, Florida, and I was hooked up to 46 machines and in unison, all 46 machines all gave the long dreaded beep, and and I flatlined and I and I died laying there in front of the doctors and the nurses at 7:18 a.m. who were who were just clocking in for the day on their 7 a.m. shift and, and doing their rounds. And they were at the foot of my bed and, and, and I flatlined right in front of them. And 
they said it was just like out of the movies. You know, my, my whole body started turning blue within 30 seconds. And mm. uh, this little 70 pound nurse, probably soaking wet, just jumps on top of my body and starts keen conging my chest to just try to bring anything back that they could. And um, at 7.28 a.m., they were they were wrapping up their their resuscitation efforts when one of the nurses turned and, and at 7.29 a.m., she saw in one of the machines, there was something. And she looked at the doctor and she said, I think we've got a slight pulse. So they found a slight pulse in me. And then they were going out to, to tell my family, you know, what had just happened to me. And, and the cardiothoracic surgeon that went with them uh, went out there and, and decided at that time that they were going to go ahead and put me on life support when they previously told my family that I was not a candidate for that because of what I was going through. Wow. So they put me on life support. I was in a coma for 10 days. I woke up after my coma and I started learning the gravity of my situation. And then I came out of the hospital 107 days later. And in order for them to save my life, they had to take away all my limbs. So I am a quadruple amputee now. Gary, you know, what motivated you to, to keep on going? What motivated you to keep on living? You lost all of your limbs and yet you chose to keep on living, not only to keep on living, but to share your story. Why? You know, I, I, one thing that I have realized pretty quickly is that, you know, at the end of the day, all of us have struggles. Like we're all struggling with something at any given moment. Um, you know, if you're out there and you're listening and you're not struggling with something right now, like that's great, but buckle up, <laughs> like it's coming kind of thing. Like right. not to be a Debbie Downer, but that's right. like, like in the world we will have trials and tribulations and um, it's not a secret and he didn't hide that from us. So, you know, if, if, if it's true that we all have struggles, then, you know, it, it's true that I, I would venture to say that the only difference between me and you guys right now, or maybe anybody listening is that you know, my struggles are very, very visible. Like you can see them if, if you look at me. Um, and, and what I've learned is that it's, it's the, it's the invisible struggles, the ones that you can't see that, that can kind of kill you the most from the inside mm-hmm. out, you know, in this day and age, like anxiety is a very real thing and depression is very real. And, and, and I could go on and on and on with this laundry list of things that, that people struggle with in today's day and age. And, um, you know, they're very real and, and I want to try to bring a lot of those to light, but what I realized and, and what in that, in that light kind of gave me that fight was, you know, when I was in the hospital on the morning of my, my amputation of both of my hands, I promise I'm not some super Christian who's just going to give you the Sunday school answers to every question you ask or anything like that. But mm-hmm. the only thing that came to my mind that morning prior to being wheeled back to surgery was the verse in the book of Job. Uh, chapter one, verse 21, that says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Mm. And and I knew that for 39 years of my life, the Lord had given me hands and legs. Uh, but right then, and in that moment, it was just taking away time. So it was mm-hmm. time for him to take away the hands and legs that he gave me for the first 39 years. And, and praise God, that verse doesn't end there because it says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. So that's the stance that I'm trying to take. Man, 
Listen, I've got so many questions coming out of this, Gary. Like, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story. I want to know about your faith. I want to know how your faith played into everything that you went through. I want to know about how you got to know Mercy Me and how they got to know your story and how they wrote this song about your life. Like, so many things. <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah, that that's a lot to unpack. But, uh, you know, when I was 11 years old, I was sitting in the third row pew on the right-hand side at Rockledge Baptist Church, and I was told that Jesus is the answer. And and I decided to pray that prayer that we were, you know, maybe hopefully all prayed or will pray at some point in time in our lives, just asking Jesus into my heart, being told that he was the answer. I didn't know what questions I had when I was 11 years old, but mm-hmm. that was great. I, I knew what the answer was at that point. Uh, <laughs> but then I spent, I spent probably the next 25 years of my life um, not realizing that that I had taken on the faith of my parents. And, you know, I was 35, 36 years old when when I went through uh, what I would call an identity crisis. I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was to Christ, who I was in Christ, who Christ was to me, who Christ was in general. Uh, you know, I, I realized that when I was 11, I, I, I became a Christian. But when I was 36, I became a Christ follower. Mm. And that journey was propelled. I I, I got to know this this really uh, cool group set of guys uh, in this no name Christian band called Mercy Me like twenty something years ago, and um, just became super close with them, and and so much so that when I was thirty five, thirty six years old, a couple years prior to this happening to me, uh, is right when uh, about the time that the movie I can only imagine came out, and and I knew that my my dear friend Bard, the lead singer, had had gone through this identity crisis himself. And so I called him one day and I was just like, man, you got to, you got to take me with you. And, um, you know, through, through a series of six months, we walked through a book together and and I'm so grateful for that time and, and just gave me that firm foundation. And, and, and I knew like Galatians 2.20 tells us, you know, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And, and so you're not listening to Gary Miracle Talk right now. You're listening to Christ and Gary Miracle Talk. Mm-hmm. And that's my identity. And that's who I am. And, and then, and then this happened to me in, in 2019 and in 2020. And when I got discharged, Bart called me and, and he said, Hey, we wrote this new song. We want you to hear it. And he sent it to me and, and I listened to it. I was crying like a baby and, and I called him back and he was like, did you pick up on anything? And um, I, I didn't at the time. So he walked me through it. And, and in the first verse of the song called Say I Won't, um, as, as, as actual lines from text messages that Bart and I sent each other when I was going through my my grace transformation, my identity crisis. So it's extremely personal, this song is to me. And, and, and then the second verse and then the bridge and the chorus was was all written centered around my hospital stay and just that that fight to go on and having that very aggressive yet non-aggressive Christian mentality. Like, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to go jump off a bridge if you say I don't, uh, if you say I won't, but, you know, say I won't learn how to live, you know, as opposed to just be alive. Like say I'm not going to, you know, fight to keep Christ the center of attention in my life. And, and even when bad things happen, I'm still going to keep dancing around. So that's, Mm. that's how it came about. So how does it feel to have mercy me share your story with the world? It's unbelievable. You know, after, after I listened to the song and then they, they called me and said, would, would you trust us enough to tell your story in the music video for the song? And um, I said, you know, from the day I got discharged from the hospital, I wanted to figure out why Christ allowed this to happen to me. And until then, I just wanted to make sure that my story would not go in vain. So I would walk through any door that he would open for me. And, and so I said yes to Barton. Uh, within a week, I was on an airplane in Nashville and 
you know, in, in the studio, we were shooting the music video for the song and the behind the scenes making of the music video and just, just all these things. And it's been surreal that, you know, that, that video drops and it's got a little over 7 million views right now. And, you know, in, in, in a matter of seconds, I'm, I'm going from going in my kitchen, trying to figure out how to just take a drink of water with no hands and figure out how to hold this cup to coming around the side. And the next thing I know it, I'm on Good Morning America or Fox and Friends. And I'm like, you guys have no idea the struggle that I just had on the other side of this iPad just now. So this has all mm-hmm. been a whirlwind for me the, of the Lord giving and the Lord taking away and then the Lord giving immensely since taking away. So I'm, I'm so blessed. Gary, the subtitle of your book is provocative, trading the pursuit of perfection for the gift of grace. So how have you found freedom in letting go of perfectionism? This, this sounds like part of the story of you losing your limbs and that connected with letting go of perfectionism. Yeah, it's, it's very, very connected. You know, I, I had mentioned, you know, for the first 25 years of my, my Christian identity, I, I realized that I took on the faith of my parents. And, and what I'd realized is I got really good at that, but it wasn't really real. It wasn't me. It wasn't authentic. And then I realized even more so I became a really, really good chameleon all growing up. I was, I was whoever I needed to be based on whoever I was with at the time. I just, I knew that I needed all the affirmation I could get. I knew that I was terrified of rejection and you, you couple those two things together and it's a recipe for disaster. And, um, you know, I was, I was one guy on, on Sunday mornings with my hands held high playing the drums and the worship band and another guy on Friday nights after the high school football game parties, holding a red solo cup with a beer, not taking a sip because I thought it was gross, but I needed to fit in and be that guy, you know, that, I, I chased the cheers of, of everyone uh, for the better part of my life. And that pursuit of perfection was everything to me. And then, you know, with the whole, but God story, when, when he completely changes your life and I'm so thankful that, you know, he didn't have to change, you know, who I was as a person when he decided to change what my life looked like. And, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And, and what I've realized along the way is, is that, that his, his grace really is sufficient. Mm-hmm. And it really is, you know, worth it. And his mercies really are new every day. So, you know, trading that pursuit of perfection for the gift of grace has been one of the most freeing things that I've ever felt and through the sharing of all of my struggles, visible and invisible. All I've learned along the way is that I've never been more loved in all of my life mm-hmm. when I thought I would be judged for the sharing of my struggles. So, uh, you know, I, I, I beg people to just, take that Christian mask off the whole, you know, Christian, it's fine mask off and, you know, find that one person who you really trust that you can really share what you're really struggling with that nobody else can see and, 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 and watch that power that it has inside of you because it's hidden, just be released because you Mm -hmm. just shared it with one person. And now we're doing life together, which is what we were meant to. And, you know, if my story can encourage someone to, to know Jesus for the first time or the hundredth time or to fight for him or with him again, then, then it won't go in vain and it'll all be worth it. Hmm. Gary, thank you so much for your time this morning and for sharing your story with us. We're geeked to get a hold of your book, No More Bad Days by Gary Miracle. And you can connect with Gary at GaryMiracle.com. But there there are people that we that we care for deeply. Our listeners are family to us. And there are some that are going through... Um, just devastating relational things, uh, a husband walking away, a wife walking away, um, 
you know, marriage, an unwanted divorce, uh, long COVID, not understanding why they can't get back to life the way that it used to be, you know, hoping that the next thing is going to be the thing that provides the healing that's needed. Just a lot of things. What do you say to the person right now who's, who's, who's what they're sitting in? It, they're just wrestling with finding hope in the midst of their circumstances. You know, I say this, this whole no more bad days, you know, concept is, is not, you know, some religious jargon or some detachment of reality or anything. You know, I, I get that we're going to have really bad situations and tough circumstances, and we're all in those quite often. But, you know, if it's true that his mercies are new every day, then it's also true that we can lay our heads on our pillows at the end of every day saying, I just don't want to have any more bad days as a whole any longer. And, and, you know, what I realized is that, you know, you had mentioned casting crowns earlier. There's a line in one of their songs that says, your world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. Um, and that line is just beautiful to me. And I realized that mm-hmm. if I wished that anything was different about my life, and or if I wish that anything was different about what I was going through right now, then that means I'm essentially taking the stance that Christ is doing a bad job at what at his job. And, you know, that means I'm taking the stance that he really didn't dictate our steps and, and, and plan our ways and those things. And, and those aren't stances that I'm willing to take. So if that's true that he's got me through this, then I got to also believe that he loves me way too much to leave me here and he's going to come get me and take me out of it. So that is my encouragement as much as that's probably not sounding like encouragement in a way at the same time. But, you know, God is good and he didn't mess up on you and he didn't make a mistake on you. And whatever it is he has you through, he has you there and you're right on time and, and you're there. on. So like find joy in the journey and, and figure out why you're in it. But, but trust me, when your hope is hard to find, you can borrow mine that he mm-hmm. won't leave you there. It was a mighty move of God, my friend. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. That was the pouring out of the Spirit that created the church in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit is still doing amazing things. Back in February, something incredible happened at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. You perhaps remember, 60,000 people from all over the world came to see it and to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it didn't stop there. Since Asbury, there have been at least three mass baptisms in the United States. Two of them went down at Pirate's Cove in Southern California, where more than 8,000 people got baptized. Plus, just over a month ago, 120 students got baptized in one night at Texas A&M. The Lord is up to something in the midst of the craziness of our world and our culture. Then, on a random Tuesday evening last month, Auburn University experienced the Spirit, too. Kristen Carr, a senior at Auburn, was there to witness it. It was an incredible thing to witness with my own eyes, something that I think, I hope it's not a once in a lifetime thing, but I recognize just how incredible it was. So yes, so 
back, you know, in mid-September, there was a worship night that was put on by uh, a lady named Tanya Pruitt, and she is the wife of one of the assistant basketball coaches at Auburn University. And so um, she kind of started a group of people, um, started with prayer, essentially, and started with about 20 people and um, just kind of grew from there. And then eventually she decided, uh, why don't we put on a worship night and see what happens? So they planned this worship night. It was called Unite Auburn. And um, about 5,000 people showed up and they had it in the basketball arena. Um, So there was about 5,000 students um, and different people around the community that came, um, mainly students, though. And uh, there was worship and um, two speakers that came and sort of um, shared the gospel and shared about various things to get deeper in your faith and to grow and Towards the end of the service, a couple of people had come forward um, and they said, we'd like to be baptized. And um, so spontaneously, they decided, well, uh, we don't have a a way to baptize them right here in this basketball arena. So why don't we just go um, walk down the road and um, go to this area, what we call the Red Barn. And basically, the Red Barn is just um, it's kind of a just a red building barn that has a little lake around it. And so um, it was, we walked everyone down there and they started baptizing people. And it was an incredible, incredible sight. This happened just last month at Auburn. That's Kristen Carr, a senior at Auburn. And that audio from Premier Media UK, premiermedia.org. And yeah, 200 baptized. And, you know, if you want to Google the pictures of that, just Google Auburn baptisms, and you can see the beauty of that. But it's just another sign of life, another sign of life. We we had Asbury, we had the baptisms at Pirate's Cove, we had, you know, the Lord doing something beautiful at Texas A&M, and other places we're hearing. I don't, I don't know all the stories, and the only connection is that the Holy Spirit is is doing a work in our country in the midst of just all the turmoil that's in our country. Yeah, yeah, in the midst of the turmoil. But I do think, too, that the Lord responds to hearts that are hungry for him, and the Lord responds to hearts that are repentant and honest. Mm -hmm. So when we keep pretending like everything's fine and going through the motions and, you know, we're not open with him about what we're going through, we're not confessing to one another what we're going through, we're stuck. Mm Mm-hmm. We're stuck. And so we cry out like we want to happen here what happened at Asbury. Like we want the outpouring of the spirit. But I think it absolutely is reliant upon our willingness to let go of what we're grasping onto and to 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 let God get get hold of us. At least take a step of surrender. Yeah. At, At the very least to take a step of surrender. I just remember St. Paul, Minnesota. I was 16 years old and I experienced a filling of the Holy Spirit. My life was not, I was not living a godly life, but, you know, God was was doing something in a living room spontaneously and some other young people, you know, said, hey, you want to come up and get prayed for? And I was unwilling to do that, but my sister and a friend went up and I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. I don't expect anything to happen. And, and the Holy Spirit came pouring into my life. So it wasn't, I guess it was, God counted that as a little step of repentance, the fact that I was willing to be prayed for, Mm -hmm. 
he poured out the spirit. But I think of the 200 who got baptized down at Auburn and that they would just continue in faith. Because in my story, you know, as a teenager, I, I started following Jesus when I was 10, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to walk it out. Nobody was really showing me how to walk it out. Mm-hmm. I thought I had to be a perfect person. I Everybody else had everything together. All the adults who were following Jesus seemed like they had it all together, and I was falling so short of that. And thankfully, God in his grace kept me, and he set me up with some amazing people and experiences. But I just think, you know, who can we encourage who's on the journey right now? Yeah. They don't really have it figured out. They're, there's they're stumbling, they're they're drifting, they're struggling to follow Jesus, they're maybe caught in some kinds of sins, and we can say, hey, I believe in you. I can believe that you can become everything that Jesus wants you to be. Mm-hmm. You know, your testimony lines up with what Mark Hall, the lead singer of Casting Crown, said to us on Friday when we were chatting with him. He said, I thought I was the only messed up person in the church. I didn't know everybody else was just lying. That's right. That's right. And that's, you know, we need to we need to stop lying and we need to be honest about where we need God and where we're stuck. And I think that that's I think that's the first step to experiencing the freedom. Yes. And so if there's somebody in your life you know that they're just kind of drifting here and there and you can encourage them. Maybe you've not even been in the faith that long, but you're a little bit ahead of them. Yeah. You can come alongside of them and encourage them and if you don't have anybody in your life, if you're listening and nobody in your life to help you in your journey with Jesus. Of course, Moody Radio can help. That's right. We can help. Perry and I can help. Yeah. Text us if you need some encouragement. 800-968-8930. 800-968-8930. We'd love to come alongside in any way we can. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is just this beautiful verse that tells us not only why we should live for Christ, but how we can live for Christ and what it looks like to live for Christ. It says this, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love this. I love that that Paul gives us instructions not only—he gives us the what, the how, and the why. Okay, so the first of all is the why. He says, because of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, and really it is an invitation for us to— Live our lives from a place of gratitude. It's not an ought to. It's not a should. It's not a, man, you got to somehow figure out how to earn your salvation. The whole letter that Paul wrote to the Romans was all about the gospel and being focused on the gospel. And that's the gospel is the good news that you don't have to earn it and you can't earn it. That we all are, you know, that we all have been slaves to sin and set free by Jesus Christ. God sent provision for us for for our sin problem, and we've been safe forever. And so out of his incredible mercy towards us, not because you need to, but because you want to live a life that is pleasing to God. We don't live the journey with Jesus to get God's love. We live for Jesus because we're loved. Yeah. It's a massive, it's a Grand Canyon difference. That's re- religion is... We live to get God's love. The gospel is 
we are loved and so we live for Christ. Yeah, right? So we get to live for him. That's the why. Live a life of gratitude out of being motivated out of God's incredible generosity and goodness to you. And then Paul goes on to say what? And the what is give your whole life to God. This this verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2, in the message version, uh, Eugene Peterson said it this way. He said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Your whole life, our whole life is to be meant to be lived for his honor and his glory. And I think we see missionaries sell everything that they own and move to these far off lands. And we admire that. We're like, oh my goodness, they truly are willing to give up everything for the sake of the call to do what God has called them to do. That's what you and I are called to do. Yeah, maybe you don't sell everything you own and maybe you don't move to a different country, but our whole life is meant to be lived with God at the center, you're not denying ourselves and living a life that brings honor and glory to his name. We have a friend, Mark, who also happens to be our exterminator, is a good buddy of ours, and he was in studio and he was sharing how when he goes out on a call, how every single call, you know, he wants to share the love of Jesus with the people he's coming in contact with. And he said, I'm a missionary cleverly disguised as an exterminator, which I love. I love this so much because that is what we are called to. Whatever it is, whatever your day job is, whether you're a, a grandma, grandpa, you know, you're working, you're at the factory, you know, you're, you're at the hospital, you're a nurse, you're a doctor, whatever it is that you're doing, you're cleverly disguised as that. You're actually a missionary carrying the good news of Jesus. And then finally, Paul says, you know, the how. (laughs) He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because he knows that if you're going to change your whole life, you have to change your mind first. Right thinking always leads to right living. And so Paul was encouraging the Romans at this time when he wrote this letter to them. And he's encouraging you and me this morning. Man, live a life Live a life that just shows God how much you appreciate everything he's ever done for you. Not just on Sunday morning. You know, religion isn't just this siloed aspect of your life. Like your whole life should be lived to bring honor and glory to God and God alone. And and if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that successfully, if this is going to be your way of living, you're going to have to change your mind first. And we change our mind by getting God's thoughts into our brain. We do that by reading God's word. So this is the challenge to you this morning. This is the why, this is the what, and this is the how of Paul to get in the word. Get in the word today. Read the word. Spend time with the Lord. Let the truth wash over you and let the truth that's in scripture replace the lives, the lies. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be made into a whole new person as you change your mind. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.